Great morning to be here. Uh, we are in the second week of a series we've called Making Change, which is actually on the surface, a series about money and stuff. But actually, let me give you some even better news. is It's not just about money and stuff. It's actually a series about relational strength, marital strength, generational strength. It's a, it's a series about purpose. It's a series about kingdom expansion because if we can get our lives calibrated with handling money and stuff the way God teaches it, it will change our marriages. It will affect the trajectory of our children's lives. It will see us release financial resources into God's kingdom and have it expand in a way that's only possible through financial multiplication. And last week, we launched this series with a message called Less Is More. And uh, those of you who have been living in Australia or one other Western culture for any length of time, you would know that the prevailing culture that we live in is very much oriented towards consumerism that every billboard we drive by, every, uh, well, you, we used to say television commercials, but now every uh, website's got pop-ups and, and, uh, and advertising. It's the way Google make their money, primarily. Uh, we are inundated with messages that say that the way, the, the, not only the best way to live, but the prevailing message is, is almost that the only way to live is, con- is, is to earn, 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 so that we can consume, consume, consume. And I've said it before, I wonder if some aliens visited our planet and and try to kind of get their head around what it is that we exist for in Western culture that they may just simply conclude as they fly back on their spaceship to to their foreign planet that, that, that these humans, seems to me they exist to go to work, earn money so that they can then spend that money and bring stuff home. Full stop. And uh, I gotta tell you that God has a far greater purpose for your life and my life than simply earning and consuming. And we need to get off that treadmill and chart a different course, a different true north. And you can catch that on our podcast from last week. This week is very much part two of that. Stress is bad. And when I say stress in particular, this week I'm talking about the sort of stress that is brought on by overextending ourselves financially, the sort of stress that's brought on by debt. Stress is bad. I've never heard anybody say, Mark, my life is so much better since I took out that personal loan that I couldn't afford. I've never heard any couple say to me, Mark, our marriage has never been stronger since we started spending more than we earn." I've never heard anybody say that they have felt so much closer to God when they've walked back from the letterbox and opened their personal loan monthly statement. I've never heard that. And I think it's pretty universal. I can reasonably confidently assume that we would all agree that financial stress is bad. Now, talking about debt, talking about credit card debt, personal loan debt, I'm aware that not all of you are currently, at least I've Flip and we'll hope not all of you are currently in debt. And that's because some of you have been uh, fortunate enough and savvy enough with your finances that you've never actually gotten into debt. And I say to you, well done. Some of you 
are not in debt right now because you used to be in debt and you're now in a situation in your life where you've gotten yourself out of debt. I just wanna ask you one thing. Please don't switch off for the next 25 minutes. And the reason I say that is that is that this message, whilst it doesn't apply to your financial situation because you're not in debt, you are very, if you're not in debt because you never were or you, or you used to be and you're no longer, you are very well placed to be an ambassador for what's very much a countercultural revolution. You're very well placed to be a mentor. Could be a mentor to your kids, could be a mentor to people that you work with, people that you know that that are in debt and you may be the very person that God uses to actually lead them out of debt because God doesn't want us to be enslaved to anything, including financial debt. And so this is a message for you even if you're not currently in debt. But if you are currently in debt, and I know some of your stories and I know some of you are currently in debt, I wanna start by saying to you, there is hope. And you need to hear that because when you're in debt, and I've said this before, when you're nostril deep in debt, even the smallest ripple is life-threatening. The bill that didn't, you didn't expect, the thing that broke that you didn't budget for repairing, that can be life-threatening and, and, and it can be soul-destroying. And I want you to know there is hope. And the reason I can tell you is that there is hope is because Louie and I, we've been in pretty significant debt on two occasions in our life. And on both occasions, we've managed to get out of debt. And we right now are currently debt-free apart from our mortgage, but in terms of personal loans and credit card debt, useless debt, we're, we're, we're debt-free. And, um, and we can speak from that position of personal experience, not just theory. The first time we, well, sorry, the second time we got into debt, the most recent time is when I lost a job a number of years ago and uh, we, we weren't actually making enough money, plus we lost a whole bunch of other uh, money and income and assets and, and came out of that season of our life in a pretty significant hole. I'm not gonna talk about that today, but I say that to acknowledge that sometimes people find themselves in debt through actually no fault of their own. They were managing their, their finances well and something happened. It could have been a job loss. It could have been a, a medical uh, incident. It could be someone screwed you over with uh, a shady business stealing. Or, 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 you know. And I acknowledge that and, and we've been in that situation. And the other time we were in debt is early in our marriage, we got ourselves into debt through pretty poor financial management. We essentially didn't have anyone to blame. Um, I grew up, yeah, we weren't dirt poor, but we were in sort of low to middle, somewhere in that low to middle income bracket, my family, my parents. And um, they, to their credit, despite not having a large income, chose to take financial management very seriously. Now for, that, for them, that didn't mean building a Donald Trump portfolio. It meant simply just not spending more than they earned. They never ever had a credit card. The closest uh, my mom got to a credit card was lay by. Um, some of you don't even know what that is. Uh, uh, they, they only bought stuff if they had the, the cash in their bank account to pay for it. Um, my brother and I were taught growing up, we were given pocket money. It wasn't very much, pretty small pockets. Um, and if we wanted something like a new cricket bat, a new tennis racket, a new 
jam box stereo. Um, <clears throat> we would have to, uh, the latest uh, 1988 hits uh, cassette tape, uh, we would have to buy, buy, we would have to buy that ourselves. And we would have to, whether it was a $5 purchase or, or a $100 purchase, we would have to pay for that ourselves and we'd have to save up. And, and that taught us the, 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 the uh, practice of saving. It taught us about the discipline of deferring your gratification until you can afford it. It taught us, when we got that, we really looked after our stuff. And, and, and to this day, I, look, I still look after my stuff because I was taught um, to appreciate things that you actually saved up for. Louis, on the other hand, was brought up as a spoiled brat. And um, <laughs> I tell you, man, I prayed all week, should I use that joke? Should I not use that joke? I've, I think God said don't. And I now I know why. Now, Louis didn't grow up as a spoiled brat. In, in fact, her, both of her parents are first generation Italian migrants, came out after the war and, and, and neither did they uh, have a lot of wealth. But one thing that was different, and this isn't necessary, I'm not throwing shade on them at all, but, but Louis wasn't taught um, financial management in the same way that I was taught. And so uh, we got married uh, was Louis's first time living out of home, uh, marrying me. Talk about rubbernecking uh, life shift there. Um, and I took on the CFO role in, in, our, in our marriage. And we, we didn't have a lot of money coming in at that time either, but I took on the role of managing our finances. And a couple of years in, uh, I was taking more and more responsibilities across my, my own personal world and, and work world to the point where I couldn't keep all the plates spinning. And so I decided it would be a great idea for Louis to learn how to manage finances using the full immersion method, where I simply gathered up all of our financial uh, stuff and said, you, there you go, you do it. And I, and, I, and I used much stronger, passionate adult words than that. Um, sweetheart, would you kindly take this on? It's not how I said it. And... Uh, now, Louis, being a trooper, did take it on. And um, time went on. She was managing our finances. About 12 months into this new uh, CFO arrangement, I would find myself coming back from the letterbox. Um, there, there was a time I'd come back from the letterbox and there'd be like a, a, a something addressed from a bank or, you know, National Bank or City Bank or something, just says to the householder. And this is back in the days where banks could send you offers of new credit cards and all that sort of stuff. Um, and just to the householder. But, but about 12 months into this new role, I started to see some of those same banks. We were banking with ANZ. Uh, some of those same banks, National, Citibank, uh, Bank West, Commonwealth Bank, Okay, it wasn't Commonwealth Bank. Uh, letters started arriving with Louisa's name on it. And I thought, interesting. So I, so I said one day, babe, um, how is it that, that, that banks that we don't bank with are sending you personalized mail? Well, it turns out we now did bank with them because what was happening is uh, Louis was getting a little bit flummoxed with managing our finances on occasion and uh, couldn't kind of figure out how to balance the books and didn't want to bother me. 
And so she would uh, accept one of these very generous offers for a new credit card from one of the banks that we didn't bank with. And suddenly we did. And I discovered that we were about $20,000 in credit card debt. And I thought now would be a good time to take back the CFO role. (laughs) And Louis was very happy to relinquish said CFO role. But it meant that we had to then begin a very uh, diligent process to get ourselves out of that debt. And so that may be your circumstance as well, that you're in debt because of poor financial management. There is hope. And I'll tell you a little bit about how we got out of debt on both occasions, actually, uh, shortly. And... You know what, I think now would be a good time to launch our security team. Um, With no help. Oh, gee whiz. You know, I I actually share that story with permission. Uh, uh, Okay, shh, quiet please. This is great podcasting. Um, If you pop pop open the Elevate app, our Elevate app, Louis, pop open the Elevate app. And uh, it's gonna take you to a bit of wisdom from a guy named Solomon. And I mentioned last week that that God has a lot to say about money and stuff throughout the Bible. And one of the uh, key spokespersons for God in the realm of money and stuff was Solomon. And throughout the book of Proverbs, which he penned, uh, there is constant references to godly ways of handling money and stuff, and even often contrasting with stupid ways, unwise ways, of handling money and stuff. And he drops a pretty substantial truth bomb. Uh, Proverbs in chapter 22, verse seven. And I put this on the screen in two versions. It'll come up in the app in the message version, which says, the poor are always ruled over by the rich. So don't borrow and put yourself under their power. It's pretty black and white there. Not don't borrow often, don't borrow a lot, don't borrow much, just don't borrow. Because when you borrow, You put yourself under the power of rich people. Well, the New International Version actually, I think, uses some stronger language. The rich rule over the poor. We've already seen that. And the borrower is slave to the lender. That's that's strong language. That is fighting words. Because God's best is, is that we would not be slave to anything that we would live free in everything, that we wouldn't be slave to our past, we wouldn't be slave to negative self-talk, we wouldn't be slave to poor self-image, we wouldn't be slaves to what other people say about us or have said about us, we wouldn't be slave to our circumstances, we wouldn't be slave to small thinking and we wouldn't be slave to other people and the power they may may have over us because we've overextended ourselves financially. And so Solomon just comes right out and says it, don't do this, because if you do, you become a slave to the lender. Now, in prepping for this morning, I was given some advice that, uh, that I should just uh, throw a few softballs out there. Because people that are in debt, this is what I was, the advice I was given, people that are in debt don't need to be reminded how foolish it is to be in debt. And you need to just kind of caress them. And, and stroke them and, and, and tell them it's gonna be okay. Um, but that's not my experience. In fact, I, I, could, I could parade almost an endless line of people I've met over the years who get in debt 
get out of debt and then like a dog that returns to its vomit, because they're out of debt, they go and take out a loan to go celebrate the fact they're out of debt to go on an overseas vacation and find themselves back in debt again. And they're in this cycle and, and, and it is not God's best for any of us. But I wanna speak to those of you that are genuinely committed to getting out of debt. Or, or if you're not, I wanna give you a vision. If you're in debt, how would this sound? Something breaks and you have the excess cash flow to get it fixed, paying cash. Maybe you're currently renting, you're in debt. What about a vision for your future that instead of putting the excess cash flow that you have to kind of scramble together towards your credit card debt, that you can now put that towards a deposit on a home? Or the one that Louie and I get the most excited about is giving. That when you are financially free, you have far more control, far more flexibility, far more freedom in your giving. We used to give 15% of what we earned uh, to, 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 to God's kingdom. When we got into debt, we had to actually pull that back to 10%. We never go below 10%, but we had to pull that, which is our minimum 10%, but we had to pull it back and it was horrible. We had several, uh, as well as giving into uh, a local church, we had several sponsored uh, kids through Compassion Overseas. We had to actually cut them loose. Um, and I'm like, oh, someone's gonna knock on that kid's door and, or the, and say, sorry, your, your sponsors aren't sponsoring you anymore. And I don't know that eight-year-old kids in developing countries kind of understand no matter how you, and I'm like. And, and so one of our goals in getting financially free was getting back to where we could start increasing our giving beyond our first 10% again, and it's not a bragging thing or whatever, but we're currently at 12%, okay? Not, not where we used to be, but we've got the f financial flexibility and, and we wanna push that to 13 and, and let's see how far we can go without giving. This is a vision for getting financially free. But if you're in debt and you wanna get financially free, uh, you're gonna need some tools. And I'm gonna just give you a few tools today. The first tool is self-control. Solomon said, a person without self-control is like a house with its doors and windows knocked out. In a word, he's saying, a person without self-control is vulnerable. You're vulnerable to advertising. You're vulnerable to peer envy. You're vulnerable to your own appetite and impulses for endless consumption. I mean, remember back when you were two years old and your mum took you grocery shopping? She jumped you in the, in the seat in the cart, pushing you up and down the aisles. And what were you doing? I want the lollies! I want the chocolate bar! And just when she thought it was all over, she pulled up to the checkout where the things are strategically placed at eye level so you, the, your two-year-old self, could see them. And all of a sudden, you wanted the Tic Tacs! And you would just go on and on and on and on. But you're not two anymore. And yet potentially some of you have a similar level of self-control 
only your appetite is now more expensive and your kryptonite comes with far more serious consequences. Self-control is gonna stop you getting into debt in the first place. And it's also gonna be one of the tools you'll need to get out of debt. And a guiding principle that Louis and I took on years ago is simply this, learn to say no for a little while so you can say yes for the rest of your life. Learn to say no to buying lunch every day so you can say yes to saving for a home deposit. Learn to say no to borrowing for an overseas vacay so you can say yes to building an investment portfolio. Learn to say no to buying every latest kitchen gadget that you just have to have so you can say yes to increasing your giving. And so this was a principle that Louis and I took on both times that we were in debt. And so some of the things that we said no to, we said no while we were getting out of debt, we said no to eating out. Like completely no to eating out. We said no to going on holidays, uh, except uh, Louis had accumulated quite a lot of loyalty points with all these credit cards that she opened. So we went for a few holidays. That's not very funny. So awkward in here. We, um, we, we said no to borrowing for a second car and I, and I uh, hustle around on a Vespa instead. Uh, Louis used to get her nails done and I never knew what that meant. Uh, but then she taught herself to do her own nails and so that saved money. She said, um, we said no to buying each other gifts, birthday gifts and Christmas gifts. Um, and, and most of these we still, we still kind of hold to. Um, the gifts thing, although I, I must have a bit confused about because my birthday, my most oh, recent birthday, should I not? <laughs> I, got, I got a nice little card. I came back from training, nice little card. Happy birthday, babe, exclamation mark. That's me, babe. And she wrote a proverb. May your sleep be sweet and you'll lie down and sleep soundly. And attached to it was a voucher for a tempur uh, pillow, um, which I'd wanted. That's nice. But the problem is my birthday was last November and I still have the voucher, but I don't have the pillow. So seems we're still not buying each other gifts. All right, things are just getting more and more awkward. <laughs> yeah, uh, I can sense that, I can sense that. Let me just test the mood in the room. Mark is a dead man walking. And you might think that it's a bit extreme, that our approach is a bit extreme, that this whole idea of learning to say no for a little while so you can say yes for the rest of your life is a bit extreme. Well, let me introduce you to one of our online mentors. He's been the guy whose principles we've used to get ourselves out of debt. His name's Dave Ramsey. And Dave Ramsey famously says, almost on endless loop, if you live like no one else, then one day you'll be able to live and give like no one else. Getting out of debt, it's a season, but you can get beyond that. Self-control, another tool, understanding. Unfortunately, too many people have poor understanding of how to handle finances and, 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 and they find themselves on this slippery slope into debt because they don't have understanding. Because think about it, where do you get taught 
personal financial management. It's, it's not a major subject in schools as far as I'm aware. And so you're largely reliant on your parents. And if your parents didn't teach you, then, then you're kind of just lost at sea at that point. And, and, and by the way, can I say, parents, please, for the love of your kids and, and your kids' kids and, and their sanity and, and their future, teach them and model for them sound financial management. Help them see that it's normal and better than what they've been exposed to in Western culture. We need understanding. Let me give an example, understanding. The power, I'm not a financial advisor. This message is not, uh, how do you say it? Uh, uh, this message is not to be construed as financial advice. Uh, if you want financial advice, please consult a, a registered certified financial planner. But here's the thing. I'm not giving financial advice, but let me just give an example of the power of compound interest. Now, some of you are a bit yawny right now. The power of compound, compound interest. I'm, gonna get, I'm not gonna get too geeky here. But it can work against you, but it can also work for you. And if you understand that, hopefully it will help you make better financial decisions. For example, one way it'll work against you is if you, which we did, have $16,000 in credit card debt, and uh, let's say uh, conservatively, that credit card debt is being charged out at 19% interest, you'd be required to pay about $250 a month in minimum payments. And what that would mean is you making your minimum payment of $250 a month, that you will finally have paid off your $16,000 of debt after 40 years, and you will have paid in addition to the $16,000 an additional $105,000 in interest. It's the power of compound interest working against you. Now, let's see how it can work for you. Well, take that same $16,000. Let's say in this case, you had a lump sum of $16,000 to invest. Let's go to the next one. And uh, let's, let's just jack the interest rate back to 12%. You're getting a 12% return. I'm not saying where you're gonna be investing, but you're getting a 12% return. Well, the good news is because of the power of compound interest after 40 years, you'll have $1.5 million in savings. It's a whole lot better, right? Well, well let, me, let me tell you even better news about the power of compound interest. If you take your $16,000 deposit, got a 12% return and dropped your $250 a month into that investment, then after 40 years, you'll have $4 million plus in saving. That's the power of compound interest. And if you understand that, it should be somewhat motivating. But if you don't understand that, then you just keep spending and going backwards further and further. Now, uh, whilst I don't give financial advice, uh, Dave Ramsey, who I said is one of our key online mentors in the financial space. He is a certified finance expert and he actually has a daily radio show. It's the third most listened to daily radio show across the entire US. And the good news is thanks to the power of the interwebs is you and I can listen to it every day for free uh, via his podcast. And uh, if you're in debt, I recommend the first thing you do at 11 o'clock today is you subscribe to his podcast and it's about a 30 minute episode every day and listen to that. And, and he's gonna uh, give you some advice. He also interviews people 
who have gotten out of debt and, and they tell their story and some of their stories, it's US-based stories of, of, of student loans that, that, that you know, they start, people started with $120,000 of student loans and car loans and, 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 and got a vision of getting financially free and, and they tell the story and, and they're not always high income earning people. It's incredibly motivating. Uh, it's pretty te- tearful sometimes too, just how inspiring it is. So, but you'll get more understanding by being exposed to that. Um, and then the, and the third thing is you need a plan. Solomon drops another bit of wisdom. The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. You need to understand if you're in debt that the habits that got you into debt are not going to get you out of debt. So there needs to be a change of plan, a change of approach, change of strategy. And again, I'll point you to Dave Ramsey's uh, website. Click on tools um, and uh, there's some incredible tools there about helping you get out of debt. It's... it's <laughs> Because the challenge is if you have a vision for getting out of debt but no plan, it can be just as frustrating. Even more frustrating is not having a vision in the first place for getting out of debt. It's like, I want to, I don't know how to. So you've got to move towards getting a plan. Thus endeth the lesson. Stress is bad. Some people are like, huh? You, you, your church talked about money and, 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 and credit card debt? It's like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we, we did. Not every week, <laughs> but it's important. And uh, like I said, God wants you and I living free in every, every sphere of our life. Hey, listen, uh, next week, I've um, got a great treat for you. A buddy of, of ours, uh, Louis, my uh, soon-to-be ex-wife, and I um, <laughs> have a have a friend of ours coming over. Have a have a friend of ours d- delivering the divorce papers from the U.S. Um, <laughs> as a good friend of ours named Wes Beavis, and uh, Wes is uh, well. Let me tell you, the, the guy is a, is a consummate overachiever. He's a, a pastor, an author. His his books have sold over a million copies. I think he stopped counting at a million. Um, he's a singer, songwriter, performing artist. He's a motivational speaker. He's a, an executive CEO coach. And, uh, and then just recently, as if that wasn't enough, he decided oh, I might as well go and get my doctorate and become a clinical psychologist. So he's added that to his portfolio. So he's all those things and more. Great guy, great friend of ours. And uh, he's gonna bring a fresh word, uh, some fresh input next week. So here's the thing. I mean, by the way, he was born in Perth. And he's lived some time in, in, uh, in Wollongong and he's lived some time in the US. So if you think that I've got a little bit of a hint of an accent, uh, if you, some of you haven't met her, but a new friend of ours, Emily, who's stateside, but she's spent time in Australia, her accent's a bit of a hot mess. Uh, wait till you hear Wes. His, his, his accent's not a hot mess, it's just a, it's just a mess. And, um, but he's great. So be here. And, and here's the thing, guys. Um, be praying for who you're gonna invite. And, and we're gonna continue to say that pretty much every week because we've gotta make sure we move beyond what God's doing in us towards what God wants to do through us to, to affect the lives of more and more people. So next week, wear your union suit. And if you don't know what that is, ask Wes. And be here. <laughs>